Welcome to another episode of The Cubic Report. Hey, today is just going to be me. I'd like to share with you a story of faith that took place over a period of several decades in the country of Zambia. My wife Bev and I were privileged to participate in this story and be enriched so much by it. This is an article that I wrote for the March-April 2022 issue of the Beyond Today magazine. Ukakachira, a story of faith in our time. Stories of amazing faith and perseverance are not limited to the Bible and Bible times. Such stories still happen, and in the most amazing places and circumstances. The setting of this story is in the country of Zambia, where my wife Beverly and I worked for many years in a pastoral and a humanitarian role. So here we go with the article. How long have you waited for this moment? My wife asked this question of a man still wet after I baptized him in a hotel swimming pool in Lusaka, Zambia. With a slight smile and a self-effacing voice, he answered, 25 years. Joseph Kapatula and others with him from Mufumbwe, 265 miles away from Lusaka, in remote northwest Zambia, tell one of the most incredible modern-day stories of faith, persistence, and belief in God's promises. Their conviction ranks with those of the heroes of faith listed in Hebrews 11. In this story that spans decades, I have found in them an inspiring and compelling example of strength in how to patiently live in a world full of overwhelming difficulties, obstacles, and trials. Jesus Christ, perhaps exasperated with people's lack of faith, asked, When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Luke 18, verse 8. He preceded this statement with a parable about a persistent widow. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Luke 18, 2-7 What was the point of this parable? The answer? If persistence pays off with a corrupt human being, being of limited power, how much more will it pay off with a just God of infinite power? The purpose of this parable is to encourage Christians to persevere when confronted with seemingly great odds. God is listening. He will answer. Act and set things right. So, don't give up. This story begins in 1981 in Mufumbwe, when Horasi Siono, a mechanic, was injured in an accident. He went to the hospital and had to stay overnight. While there, he met a man reading a magazine and study guides that vividly answered from the Bible questions he had previously pondered regarding life's purpose and Christian belief. Harassi became interested in what he read and became a subscriber himself. As he studied, he became more and more convicted of what he was reading. In remote, impoverished Africa, the power of God's truth was working in him. In 1982, he wrote to the address he found in the magazine and asked if he could visit somebody from the church that published it. It was four years before he would travel to Lusaka to meet with a minister 
and eventually be baptized. In 1982, he wrote to the address he found in the magazine and asked if he could visit somebody from the church that published it. It was four years before he would travel to Lusaka to meet with a minister and eventually be baptized. But the story doesn't end here. Harasi shared his new knowledge with others in Mufumbwe. They decided to meet weekly on the biblical Sabbath day at the Chilemo Orphans Club, which one of the group's members, Joseph Capatula, founded and manages. The meeting location was usually under the mango tree at the orphanage. This massive tree provided good shade for gatherings. They continued to study the Bible and reviewed the printed material they regularly received from the church. In 1993, however, literature and communications from the church abruptly stopped. But this did not deter them from continuing to meet weekly. In 2004, Harasi reached out again and wrote to all the addresses he could find in the reading material that had been sent. This time he heard back and started receiving a new publication. But when the group read it, they noted that its teachings were now markedly different from their previous studies. What had happened? They knew right away that they did not want to pursue further contact with that church. They had been reading the Bible on their own for nearly two decades and were fully convicted of the doctrines they learned about God the Father and Jesus Christ. They knew what the Holy Spirit was and how it worked in their lives. They understood God's purpose in creating man. The kingdom of God was real to them. The word of God was transforming their lives. By being so grounded in biblical truth, they could also readily spot what was false. They knew from what they had found and believed, and no one was going to take it from them. They had already found what was portrayed in two biblical parables, the treasure hidden in a field and the pearl of great price of Matthew 13:44 through 46. But the church that had given them so much spiritual nourishment was apparently gone. The Mufumwe group had a calendar from the church that listed the annual holy days in the Bible and the dates in which they should be kept. They celebrated these days faithfully, but that list of dates ended in 2008, and now they didn't know the exact dates for future holy days. What were they to do? So, in February 2009, Joseph Capatula decided to set out and find the church that taught him and the others the precious truths of the Bible. With only $25 in his pocket and a telephone number for Wilson and Coma, one of the names listed in the magazine they had, he headed for Lusaka. He found the driver going in that direction and paid him $8 for the 265-mile journey. The driver dropped Joseph off at the Lusaka Central bus station. There Joseph repeatedly tried calling Wilson and Coma but to no avail. Now at the bus station, a miracle occurred. God stepped in, and this was more than a coincidence. Joseph asked the gentleman sitting beside him at the bus station to watch his belongings while he went to the toilet. When Joseph returned, this man noted a study guide about salvation that Joseph was reading. Why did Joseph have it, and where did he get it? And this led to a discussion about the church. The man sitting beside him was Jonathan Lataba. He happened to be in Lusaka at the bus station on his way back home, 220 miles away. Jonathan was a deacon from the Mufalira congregation of the United Church of God and was well familiar with the church's study guides. 
In their discussion, some of the mystery of what had happened to the church was coming clear. The church they had received literature from initially had drastically changed its doctrines and was now something very different. Yet many who rejected this change, holding fast to prior teachings, continued as the United Church of God, which now publishes the Beyond Today magazine. Joseph then asked about Wilson and Coma, who of course Jonathan knew well. Jonathan explained that Wilson and Coma was now in the United Church of God as well. Jonathan told him where to go for church services in Lusaka three days hence. Certainly Joseph would connect with all the people he needed to fulfill his mission. Joseph always knew that the church was still out there somewhere. In the meantime, Joseph went to stay with some nearby Rwandan refugees he had helped in the past. On the Sabbath, Joseph went to the address Jonathan had given him. The venue was a meeting hall in military barracks. The room was arranged by a retired army officer who was now a church member. But when Joseph came into the barracks area, he was immediately stopped by a guard who asked him who he was and what he was doing there. Joseph told him that he was from out of town and looking for the United Church of God and Wilson and Coma. The guard said he knew nothing of such a meeting in this restricted area and ushered him out of the barracks onto the street. Joseph never made it to the 3 p.m. church service. However, Jonathan called Wilson and Coma to let him know about Joseph, and Wilson then called Joseph Saturday night. The two arranged to meet at Wilson's house in Lusaka the next day. Wilson informed Joseph more about what was happening in the church in Zambia and elsewhere. Wilson gave Joseph lots of magazines, study guides, and some money. Afterward, Joseph's Rwandan friends helped him get back to faraway Mufumbwe by giving him money for the trip, school books for his children, and, and clothes for Joseph's wife Agnes. He was overwhelmed by the kindness. When Joseph returned to Mufumbwe, he was met by his friends, sister, and nephews, who were overjoyed by the success of Joseph's mission. Joseph said that the group's joy was tantamount into Zambia scoring a goal in the Africa Cup soccer matches, where the entire nation rose in cheers. That's how happy they were to find that the church was still there. In Mufumbwe, the group continued to meet weekly on the Sabbath, as it always had since 1985. But it was now connected to the United Church of God. In early 2010, the Mufumbwe group was invited to celebrate the Biblical Feast of Tabernacles in Lusaka. Joseph and his two friends, Christopher and Samuel, went. These three had been waiting since 1985 to be baptized by a minister and were hoping that it would happen here. Regrettably, some difficult circumstances kept that from happening then. However, they did not complain or grumble, but calmly and patiently made the long return journey to Mufumbwe, never doubting that they would be baptized in due time. I was keeping the feast that year in Lusaka too, and it was here that I first met these men from Mufumbwe. In the early part of 2011, they contacted Wilson and Coma, who told them that I would be coming to Zambia in April, and that I would baptize them. And that finally happened on April 24, 2011, during the Biblical Feast of Unleavened Bread. This is when I first heard their astonishing and inspiring story of spiritual courage and patience. They had been all but abandoned, 
Yet God was always with them and helped them through all the obstacles. Since that time, they now have Pastor Derek Pringle and his wife Cherry, who visit them in Mufumbwe several times each year, from 200 miles east. On three occasions, my wife and I have had the opportunity to travel there also. We too have met with them under the mango tree at the orphanage. Now they have a church building and have received help for the orphanage. We have provided various assistance for boreholes, for water, and have provided scholarships for some of their children, some of whom have become nurses and teachers. As we listen to Joseph tell us the story of how he had believed and prevailed, my wife asked Joseph to describe their story in one word. And Joseph's answer, Ukakachira. In the Kakundi language, this means perseverance. That indeed is the perseverance of the widow in the Luke 18 parable. This is the common quality of the list of heroes in Hebrews 11 who put their absolute trust in God. In Hebrews 11, the father of the faithful, Abraham, knew that God's promises were good as done. God promised him a son through whom further promises to a nation and salvation to the human race would come. He trusted and obeyed. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Hebrews 11, 8-10, in the English Standard Version. Abraham had to wait 25 years before his son Isaac would be born. Joseph Kapatula and the others from Mufumbi had to wait 25 years to be baptized. But they patiently waited until the day eventually came. In James 1, verses 2 and 3, we read, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. In other Bible versions, the word for patience is translated as steadfastness, endurance, or perseverance. Testing is not instant. Genuineness of character is refined in the crucible of time and sometimes pain. But in the end, the result is joy, as James declares. In Wafumbwe, we see people persevering through distance, poverty, abandonment, and even betrayal. But these people, similar to Abraham, always had a vision of who they were, what they had, and where they were going. To them their faith was being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1, 1, New International Version. Faith is a way of life. In four places the Bible states that the just shall live by faith. In Habakkuk 2.4, Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 10.27. Faith does not make things easy. It makes them possible. Ultimately, it is through God's gift of faith that we are saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Ephesians 2.8. My personal faith has been enlarged and enriched by the biblical accounts of the faithful. Living examples such as these in Zambia have inspired me to more seriously heed faith passages such as 
Second Peter 1, 5-8, which reads, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to us today on The Cubic Report. We welcome you to share this podcast and tell your friends about it. We can be found on a variety of platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Audible, and many other platforms. You can easily find us at any browser address box by typing in the words, The Cubic Report, and there we are. Remember, Cubic is spelled K-U-B-I-K. We'd love to hear from you. Write to us at vcubic at gmail.com. That's V-K-U-B-I-K at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. Come back soon for more.